Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Rocky Top Rewinds, VolQuest.com and the VolQuest YouTube channel. Appreciate you guys for joining us here tonight. A lot to discuss. Of course, Tennessee coming off a 63-38 loss at South Carolina. Disappointment there. We'll get into your questions. We'll break down that loss and what this means moving forward. A big news day for Tennessee football. I got to commit uh, an injury, very much of note, so... A lot to discuss here on the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane. That man is Brent Hubbs. And if you're watching this on the VolQuest YouTube channel, please like this. That way more Tennessee fans can see it. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the VolQuest channel. Brent Hubbs, it was 63-38, a 31-30. It was a four-point game in the third quarter, just like last week. But Tennessee this time was trailing by four. And then it was all South Carolina from there. South Carolina went on to win 63-38, to 38, took advantage of some short fields. Defensively, Tennessee made one stop all game long, and uh, it was it was brutal, but it was a good night for the home team, bad night for the visiting volunteers. Yeah, Tennessee was just bad on defense. There's no other ifs, ands, or buts about it. It was a um, it was just an awful, awful night of defensive football. Um, Tennessee's coverage uh, had holes in it. Tennessee's safety seemed to struggle a good bit from what I could see. And um, just give South Carolina credit. Spencer Rattler is a very talented quarterback, has been for a long time, as we all know, is a guy who is um, a bit of a rhythm guy. You know, I, I, I compared him, a, not the same type of player, but from a rhythm standpoint, he reminds me a lot of a guy like Matt Ryan. You know, Matt Ryan's a guy who can go 0 for 6, and then he can rattle off 14 straight. Um, that's kind of how you feel like Spencer Rattler is. Uh, but Tennessee um, could not get him out of rhythm. He was in rhythm to start the game, and he remained in rhythm all the way through. Yeah, he was. And, it, again, there, you know, this is the same guy that, you know, threw for over 3,000 yards in a COVID-shortened season back in 2020, threw for 28 touchdowns. He lost his starting job last year at Oklahoma to Caleb Williams, who is also in the Heisman Trophy race now at Southern Cal. He comes to South Carolina, entering the football game, I think like seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Hasn't looked all that good. The offense hadn't looked good at all. But Tennessee's defense just couldn't find an answer. Uh, Spencer Rattler was in a rhythm. He was making throws that we haven't seen him make in quite some time. Uh, Tennessee's defensive back were giving cushion, too much cushion at times. Uh, Tennessee could not get home with with four uh, up in the front. Uh, South Carolina also went wildcat a little bit and threw a new a new wrinkle in there. But you know something you spoke to me about earlier today, and I, I noticed a couple of times on the rewatch as well. Even when Tennessee would play, say a stretch or a sweet play, right by fitting up the block, keeping outside leverage, forcing things inside, there wouldn't be a linebacker there, there wouldn't be a safety there. Tennessee just didn't have it all night long on the defensive end. No, they didn't, and um, I, I I will give 
um, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator at South Carolina, a little credit. He, he did a couple of things schematically um, that, that you hadn't seen on some of those uh, flare patterns out of the backfield. He, he did. It was not an illegal play. He, he would. It would be after the ball was caught because it was such a short pass. Um, the slot receiver would a lot of times block the linebacker inside out. So it was almost like a crackback block, if you will, you know, not a legal block. I mean, it was face to face, but it was kind of a come back down the line, a little bit like a crackback block. And um, I I think, you know, watching the game live, you kept wondering where's the linebackers, where are the linebackers, where are the linebackers. And and some of the times the reason the linebackers didn't get there is they were getting blocked. Now, other times um, they let themselves get kind of caught up on the inside, you know, and, and, and didn't play sideline to sideline well enough. And then when they did play it the right way, as you mentioned with some fits, they didn't get the support from the back end the way that, do, that you would expect them to in the way they were looking to. Uh, the other thing, too, is South Carolina's offensive line was really good in, in pass protection. Um, and, yeah. and Tennessee couldn't get there. I mean, they just couldn't get there. Now, is that all South Carolina's line? Is that Tennessee – you know, I, I don't think Tennessee's done a great job getting home with four all season long, right? I mean, in the LSU game, they got five sacks off a lot of twists and stunts with a very inexperienced offensive line. But in terms of winning a one-on-one matchup where you're not playing games and things, but where you're in your rush lane and you win a one-on-one matchup, Tennessee's not won a ton of those, particularly off the edge um, th- this year. And in the Florida game, Spencer Rattler had a hard time getting his feet set because there, there was a lot of pass rush on them. Tennessee couldn't get there. He had plenty of time to set his feet last night. Yeah, no doubt. He definitely then. John, we appreciate the super chats. Uh, John Hill chimes in. He said, hey, that loss was uglier than a Georgia fan's girlfriend. Time for Milton to shine GBO. And, of course, that's something we'll, we'll discuss over the next hour here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Hendon Hooker, unfortunately, uh, his season is gone. And um, it, it's – it's terrible. Sports are cruel, but uh, Tennessee does have one more game, and then you know whatever bowl game you go to, Joe Milton comes in there in the end. He throws a beautiful deep ball to uh, Squirrel White, and you know Tennessee's able to punch it in a couple of plays later. Uh, Joe Milton still throws it 100 miles an hour. Uh, Joe's gonna you know get the opportunity to make a start next week at Vanderbilt, and that's gonna be a, a big moment for him. And of course, for the Tennessee football team, looking to again secure a 10-win regular season, first time since 2003. Yeah, this is a big game Saturday. This is a big opportunity game. You, you don't want to limp home with two losses at the end here. That The, the mm-hmm. pressure is going to be on tennis. All the pressure is going to be on Tennessee this week. It's not going to be on Vanderbilt. Even though Vanderbilt is playing for a bowl bid, the pressure is all on Tennessee. They're expected to win. How does Tennessee react to the Hendon Hooker stuff? Um, where, where's Jeremy Banks? Um, where are they injury-wise at the receiver position? Where are they injury-wise at cornerback? You know, there's a lot of questions to be answered, no doubt. Uh, but but this is an opportunity for Tennessee to um, show that the culture is where you, th- where you think it is in your program, and you're not going to let a uh, bad night in Columbia, South Carolina, beat you twice, right? They did a good job of that against George after the Georgia loss, but that was back at home. This is on the road at night. Uh, we'll see how this team reacts. This is not – other than the LSU game, this has not been a very good road team this year yeah. when you look at it. I mean, they were uh, fell behind early by two scores against Pittsburgh, rallied for the lead at the half, uh, fell behind quickly at Georgia after they had the early field goal lead. Georgia went, you know, right down the field and, and do anything that they wanted to at that point. And then obviously last night they gave up 21 points in, in the first quarter. So 
Um, Tennessee's got to be a better road team than what they've been. Now, they were a good – like I said, I, I don't want to take anything away from the LSU win because that counts. But that was an early morning start. They got that early turnover, and LSU never got off the deck. But if you, if you take and look at what has happened in the other road games, Tennessee's not been very good. I, I think that um, – you know, uh, they, they've been out. They've been outscored in eight games. They've only given up 27 points in the first quarter, if my math is right. Yeah. Uh, but but when you look at the other three games, they've given up, what, 45 points, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of first quarter points, particularly on the road and, and three venues. So Tennessee's got to get back and, and, and get going on the road Saturday night. Trey, keep this up for just a second. I, mean, I want you guys to look at the South Carolina drive chart. Um, it, it, it's tough to look at. Tennessee literally made one stop all night defensively. That that first possession, it was good because Tennessee scored right before the half, and it was a little little fortune there. You know, the ball's tipped up by Sherrod uh, shared Green, and Brew McCoy goes up there and makes the catch. And, and Brent, I think that's the play Brew McCoy initially hurt his ribs or you know got got a little bit banged up on because he didn't look walking to the sideline looked like he was a little ginger. But nonetheless. You, you score for the half. You come back out. D- offensively, y- you have to punt it away. But defensively, you you force a punt, and, and that's a good start. But touchdown, 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 touchdown to end. The uh, the other two stops, quote-unquote, are at the end of the half and at the end of the game. Um, they weren't stops. That was yeah. South Carolina stop and saying, hey, it's end of the half. We're going mm-hmm. to the locker room with a lead, and end of the game, we'll take a knee and go to the house. Those aren't those aren't stops. You had, you had one stop, and that was it. Everything else – when South Carolina was trying to move the football and trying to score, they could they could do it at will, and that's what they did. Two things I think that you know Tennessee did not help itself out with: cornerback uh, play. I mean, you know, defensive play was not good, safety play was not good. Tennessee had no answer at cornerback. I mean, you saw four cornerbacks play. Uh, you had uh, Dedico Slaughter who got banged up at the end, but he did not have a good game. Uh, you saw Brandon Turnage; they were picking on him all night. He goes out with an injury. Uh, Kamal Haddon comes in there, and he. Does not look good whatsoever the entire game, and then Christian Charles comes in and comes in there and looks lost a little bit at times. And I mean, he's been battling confidence issues all year long. So that's one thing. Tennessee had literally no answer at cornerback, and then the penalties. As you wrote in your ten things you think you learned after this game, it's up at VolQuest.com right now. If you guys want to check it out, Tennessee's been penalized more times this season, more times than the Josh Heupel era, but the penalties came at the worst times. Uh, one of the scoring drives, I think it was potentially the first scoring drive of the second half for South Carolina. Tennessee just gave them that drive with penalties. Tennessee, on the other end, one of their drives, I think this was in the first half, uh, you had a holding call, you had a sack, you had another holding call. It just came at the worst times, kind of like the pre-snap penalties at Georgia, and Tennessee just wasn't able to get out of its own way in order to try to get something going, at least defensively and offensively at times. Yeah, I mean, seven holding penalties the last two games for Tennessee, which is not good. Uh, the holding penalty early in Tennessee's second possession, negating, negating a 28-yard gain, put them behind the sticks, forced them to punt there. The offensive pass interference penalty, which Tennessee, as we know, always flirts with that when they got caught on that one. That, that would have been a fourth and two after that catch where Tennessee would have gone for it. Instead, it becomes third and 25, which you don't have a lot of answers for typically, and, and Tennessee couldn't get anything going there, and they had to punt. Um, you're all, it looks like you're off the field. South Carolina is going to kick a field goal and it's going to go from 11 to 14. You're just going to stay within two possessions early in the fourth quarter, but then illegal hands to the face by Tyler Barron gives you, gives South Carolina a first down inside the five makes it first and goal 
um, and, and you're not off the field, and, and suddenly instead of them you're thinking about holding them to a field goal there, or at least having Shane Beamer in a decision-making mode yeah. on what would have been fourth and goal from about the seven-yard line or the eight-yard line, um, you, you let South Carolina go in and score. So you're exactly right. They were just very ill-timed and very costly. I mean, Tennessee couldn't over, overcome the mistakes, um, and, and that was certainly what happened uh, in that game last night. John here wants to know, did Tennessee abandon the run against a poor run defense? Eric, I'm going to throw that back to you. Tennessee had, um, what, 60 yards rushing on their first two snaps from, mm -hmm. from the, the game, and they finished with 152 for the game. Um, was that just a, a simple fact of Tennessee was playing catch-up and, and couldn't take advantage of the run, or do you think Tennessee kind of got away from the run a little bit early in that game? I mean, that's something I noticed on my rewatch. Um, and Tennessee still was running it pretty pretty decently, you know, even in the second half, down a couple of scores. And you look at that yards, you know, yards per carry, you know, 5.4. That's a that's a decent clip. I mean, Tennessee had a better yards per carry average than South Carolina in this game. But Jabari Small gets off and has that 31-yard touchdown run. He looks good. Thought he ran pretty hard all night long. Thought Jalen Wright did some things as well. Uh, again, there's a couple of times, both those guys, where you're just, you know, one arm tackle away or just getting tripped up at the line of scrimmage where there's green grass in front of you. Um, I thought at points in times like when Dylan Sampson got in the game, you have a first down from the 14, I believe, and then you go two runs right up the middle with Dylan Sampson. I I, I don't quite understand that. Um, so I would like to see Tennessee run it a little bit more for sure because, again, this defense just gave up 374 yards on the ground to Florida. It was averaging 192 yards on the ground given up by defense – so far in this season, but again, it is difficult. It changes the way you call a game offensively when you're down 11 points, 17 points, and then, of course, as the game goes on. So I did think that they got away from it a little bit. Still ran it 28 times. That's not that's not a few, but I, I do think Tennessee could have done a little bit more damage on the ground. And, you know, I saw a little bit of that with Joe Milton when he came in the football game. A little too late, obviously, and too only scholarship quarterback healthy. It kind of makes you nervous a little bit, but they ran a couple of quarterback draws with him. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought when the game was in reach, Tennessee was decently balanced. I mean, I, I thought they run it that they ran it enough, kind of okay to keep, you know, to keep South Carolina honest a little bit. Uh, but when when the game got going and, and the game got you know three scores in the second half, I just don't think they felt like that that they could run the football there. That they had to throw it and and try to score fast. And so yeah. you know, I think they abandoned it a little bit there. It wasn't way out of kilter. Um, in the first in the first half of the football game, it certainly was in the second half, but because uh, of where Tennessee was at, just from from a score standpoint. One of the other things that's interesting about Tennessee that I'm kind of keeping an eye on. I haven't done all the hard. I've not taken the time to go back and look at it. It feels like Tennessee is a big second down running team, mm -hmm. and, and it almost feels like there's a little bit of that there to make sure to keep the clock going. So the defense can't sub any kind of specialty on third down, but they're—I don't want to say predictable, but it feels like they're pretty run heavy on second down. I think if I were looking at playing Tennessee, I, I might—I might play a lot of run stuff on second down because it kind of feels like that's direction Tennessee wants to go a lot on second down. I don't think that's limiting Tennessee running the football. I think what limited them last night was the fact that the defense couldn't get a stop and Tennessee had to score every time they had the ball in the second half trying to play catch-up. I would agree with that. And Trey, real quick, scroll over to the right a little bit. Let's see those South Carolina rushing uh, rushing stats. 
I noticed this on the rewatch and looking at the stats a little bit at the end of the game. Jaheim Bell, who's a playmaker, he's a tight end by trait. Uh, Brown is a wide receiver. Joyner is a wide receiver. Now, he was the quarterback in Wildcat. Spencer Rattler's the quarterback. Wells Jr. is a wide receiver. Leggetti is a wide receiver. McDowell, all the way down there, negative four yards rushing. He is the only running back by trade right there in this football game. Now, Christian Bill Smith was out. Marshawn Lloyd was out. But you don't like seeing 82 yards from Bell, who, again, he gets a decent amount of carries because they use him a little bit all over. You don't want to see 82 yards from him or 39 yards from Brown or you know 21 from Joyner out of the Wildcat. That was a little discouraging for me in that football game, of course, there were a lot of things that went wrong for Tennessee defensively. It was the lateral stuff for me. It yeah. was just the fact, and, and, I, and I, I thought Missouri tried to, to exploit that a little bit. I think South Carolina certainly built off that. You saw that with, with Burton um, or Burton last week with, with uh, mm-hmm. Luther Burton. You know, they, they got him the wide three receiver, touches, yeah. you know, on, on some jet sweep stuff. Uh, they threw some stuff out in the flat a little bit and tried to get some things going that way. And I mean, Tennessee's going to see that this week against Vanderbilt. I mean, until they show that they can handle that perimeter run game or that perimeter short passing game, which is essentially an extension of the run, teams are going to continue to do that against them. And, um, you know, I, Georgia didn't have to because they got a lead, but I think that's something Georgia probably felt like they could do. Jameer Gibbs did it. You know, obviously, if he'd have caught one ball, then that game would might have been different, but that's something mm-hmm. they did some things with. I think until Tennessee shows they can stop that, you're certainly going to see that. Vanderbilt's going to bring that part to the game on Saturday, and they're going to bring the zone read with quarterback run. The Wildcat stuff, they will run with their quarterback. They won't you know, bring in a running back to do that for them. They will just run it straight out of their base formation because he's going to carry the ball and run it a good bit. Tennessee's got to answer that bell this week. Now, I think this defense has got pride. Um, I do. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, I know they're embarrassed by what happened. And so we'll see, you know, going forward what they elect to do and how they elect to play some things. But, um, you know, you can't you can't have those kind of performances like what you had Saturday night. I mean, that's a historically bad performance. Yeah. And also Tennessee kind of adapt to it a little bit. Aaron Beasley adapted to it a little bit as the game went on. But again, the consistency, it wasn't there. We got plenty more coming up here on this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. Hendon Hooker, his injury. His legacy at Tennessee as his Tennessee career uh, comes to an end. Plus, now with the college football playoffs off the line, a bowl game. Tennessee still very much in the conversation for a New Year's Six. What does it look like? That and more. Plus, we'll have awesome price on at 845. Tennessee got to commit. Got a whole lot more left on 45 minutes remaining here on this edition of the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane with Brent Hubs. Back in 60 seconds. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13.
Welcome back into the Rocky Top Rewind. I am Brent Hobbs. Eric Kane's learning what a mute button is, but we're glad to have you back here on the Rocky Top Rewind <laughs> as we talk about oh, Tennessee's performance Saturday night uh, at South Carolina and just an ugly loss and a really disappointing loss and kind of what's what's moving forward here for Tennessee um, with, with potential bowl games out there, but certainly coming up a, a challenge this week. Um, just to get back off, you know, get back off the deck, Eric, and, and take on a Vanderbilt team that suddenly got a little a little life about themselves um, after back-to-back conference wins. Yeah, they're playing with a lot of momentum right now. Um, they're playing with a lot of pride, senior day, bowl eligibility. We'll get into that in just a moment. I know I teased that, but I do want to hit one more thing. Uh, a question that was asked right here in the chat, uh, a question we got throughout the game and after the game. Let's go ahead and address it. Uh, what do we know? Again, not what we think, what we've heard. You know, what do we know about Jeremy Banks not traveling and playing in this football game? Yeah, I don't think Jeremy Banks had a good week last week on, on a lot of different fronts. I don't, I don't think that he did some of the, some things that he needed to do, be on time, be places where he needed to be, um, you know, take care of his business the way he needed to take care of his business, and I, that's what led him to not be there. I know there's a lot of talk about fights in locker rooms and all those things. I think there was a, a heated discussion, but I don't think anybody hit anybody. So I don't think there's a full-blown fight there or, or anything like that. Um, was there a disagreement and, and, you know, some heated discussion? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case. I mean, Jeremy's an emotional player. He's an emotional person that way. Uh, but Jeremy didn't, have, Jeremy didn't have the week that you needed to have to get ready to play and, and to be focused and, and take care of what he was supposed to do. Uh, is this a divided team or a divided locker room? I don't get that feeling from anybody that that's the case, Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea that's been out there that the defense was mad at the offense and, and and basically threw the game last night. No, I mean, that's – listen, Spencer Rattler played really well, and Tennessee had no answer, and Tennessee played really poorly. That's no excuse. Yeah. That's just a fact. They got beat. I mean, South Carolina's offense was more physical than Tennessee's defense at every position, in my opinion. Their their wide receivers were more physical than Tennessee's secondary players, right? Their, their defensive front was more um, physical than, than Tennessee's offensive front. And so as a result of everything that took place uh, with, with Jeremy Banks this, this past week, um, he did not travel, and we'll see what happens this week. I know, I know Josh Heupel said postgame that – gave indication that he thought he would be back. We'll see. I think a lot of that's on how Jeremy Banks goes about his business. He's tweeted out, you know, there was no altercation and he's going to be back stronger than ever. Um, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see how Jeremy Banks goes about his week. Yeah, I would agree. And and I'll say this too, as far as the, um, is there a split locker room? Is there a divide or anything? And conversations, two separate conversations that I've been privy of uh, here today, um, you know, from from what I'm hearing, that's absolutely not the case. I, I mean, t- Tennessee defense just played horrible. Played horrible. Laid an egg is what yeah. you call that. I and mean, so, and again, I, I'm not making an excuse, okay? So um, you, you got to give South Carolina credit. Spencer yeah. Rattler had time. He threw the ball extremely well. They played really well on offense, and Tennessee played as bad, worse, on, uh, worse defensively than you could ever imagine them playing. And it's unfortunate, too, because, again, what was on the line – also, a big loss in this football game. We mentioned it earlier, of course, uh, You know, news today about the rest of the season, which is just one more uh, regular season game, but of course, uh, a bowl game as well. Hendon Hooker, um, out for the season, torn ACL in his left knee. 
He goes down, Brent, with a non-contact injury. You've been around football your entire life. So have I. You see that. We've seen that happen before. It's unfortunate, but at the time of it, you you knew kind of what it was. And um, it sucks, man. I mean, Hendon Hooker, he's, he's been such a great story. He's a good player. He's a good person. He's a great leader for this football team, having a fantastic year. Had a really nice Tennessee career. Remember, guys, Jeremy Pruitt brought Hendon Hooker to Tennessee. Uh, Josh Heupel came on, and he did 15 spring practices, and he went out and got Joe Milton. Joe Milton starts the season. Hendon Hooker comes back in and then off to the races, and what he has accomplished in his Tennessee career has been incredible. So thoughts and prayers up to him for a speedy recovery. That that guy's going to have an opportunity at the NFL, but what we do know, Brent, is there'll be no number five Hendo Cinco, unfortunately, next weekend at Vanderbilt. And so that's Joe time. Joe Milton will get another start for Tennessee. And as we were speaking on earlier, this game is, you know, how are you going to get off the deck? This game is big now with Vanderbilt playing with a lot of pride and Tennessee playing with everything to lose, essentially. Yeah, I mean, you know, let me let me first start with, with Hendon Hooker and that, and that injury. Um, it was at a different point in the season, but it just reminded me so much of what happened with Jerry Colquitt on the seventh play of the season opener in the 94 season at UCLA. It was an option play. Um, his knee buckled and, and his season was over before it ever got started. He had waited his turn and he never got the opportunity to, to play and, and run the show because he had been behind Heath Schuler. Hendon Hooker was not deprived of that. He obviously had an opportunity the last two years to, to take the reins of this offense and, and run with it. Um, it just puts a big pit in your stomach that, that this happens. It's the cruelty of sports and it's not, it's, it's not just happened at Tennessee. It's happened a lot of places at the collegiate level, the high school level, the pro level. It's the cruelty of the sport. I think Hendon Hooker's legacy at Tennessee is firmly cemented. Listen, this guy beat Alabama and broke a streak there. But more importantly than that, Eric, he gave Tennessee national recognition and gave the program a face that they had lacked for, for many years, really. I mean, Josh Dobbs, did some things that the, you know, particularly his, his junior and senior year, um, his senior year that, that, you know, gave Tennessee some recognition there, but not anything like what Hendon Hooker's done. The Heisman race, the, the just the features, his story, um, you know, it, it's just, for lack of better words, it, it sucks to see it happen to anybody, but it really stinks when it happens to a guy who has paid his dues and, and taken advantage of a second opportunity the, the way he has. You know he's going to work hard. You know he's going to going to push to be back and get healthy. You know he's put him as it, it kills him with the draft because he's not going to be able to work out and do those things and all that. So he's going to have to start way down at the bottom and work his way through. But but he will he will be a guy who will attack rehab, and um, again a guy who gave Tennessee a face besides a head coach when they hadn't had a face, and and because of that and the wins he's had, he certainly left his legacy and left his mark on Tennessee's program. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, he's a guy that uh, I, I just think when you look back on his Tennessee career, the efficiency is through the roof. I mean, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks last season and this season. This season, he was in the Heisman Trophy conversation uh, up until, you know, this week. And, you know, his stats are still, you put him up there, were some of the best in, in the country. He's been phenomenal. And, and, and his leadership, he's a quiet guy. Um, but you see the way he carries himself. The, the quiet confidence and and the way that he plays on the field and the way that he'll go to bat for his teammates. And more so than that, Brent, the way his teammates will go to bat for him. I know he's the quarterback and all that, 
but you see what the defenders say about Hendon Hooker, what the offensive linemen say about Hendon Hooker. So, I mean, just a great player, a better person. And, you know, he's not done playing football, which is unfortunately uh, he is done playing football at Tennessee. But what that does mean, Brent, again, is there, there is a, a football game at Vanderbilt on Saturday. Joe Milton will get another opportunity. Joe Milton started the season a, a year ago, and he's looked really good in the mop-up opportunity. He's thrown some deep balls, and that's great. But again, that's so different than a 0-0 zero to zero ball game with 15 minutes on the clock in the first quarter. I'm so intrigued to see how Joe Milton attacks this opportunity. This opportunity plus a bowl game to see what he has, how different the play calling is, how different the game flow is, because it's a different quarterback. You love the physical tools and everything that Joe Milton can bring. I'm excited to see this opportunity for him, but of course, you, you will miss Hendon. Well, and you know, the one thing you're going to miss about Hendon was you know, Hendon's ability to get you out of a bad play. He yeah. had the pay playbook at his disposal. He obviously had a great rapport with, with Cooper Mays and communicating along the offensive line. He was in a good rhythm with the receivers on where everything was going. I'll be curious to see how much there's some check with me, how much there's, you know, there's not audibling, you know, or there is audibling when they yeah. go slow and the coaches are making the reads and the calls for him or how much freedom they're going to give him. Um, and then the other thing too is how, you know, he's got to make quick decisions. The one thing Hendon did a great job of in his, in his Tennessee career in this offense is his ability to make quick decisions. Now, I thought there were some times this year he got a little greedy and he held the ball looking for a big play sometimes. Uh, but, but I thought he was in a good rhythm last night making decisions. I didn't think his accuracy was great, uh, but his decision-making was good. I mean, he, he was throwing to the right guys. Um, we'll see how quick, how quickly Joe Milton uh, can get it out of his hands and get going. I like the ball to squirrel white. Everybody's raving about, you know, right. He threw it 70 yards in the air again. It, I mean, Squirrel White was open 20 yards earlier. I mean, yeah. he, he blistered that guy off the line of scrimmage, and and Joe waited a while to throw that ball. He, he's got to get it. He's got to make quick decisions, and Tennessee's got to help him make quick decisions. Yeah, the Hendon Hooker who finishes his Tennessee season completing 229 passes, 175.5 efficiency rating, 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions, 3,000. 135 passing yards, averaging 285 passing yards a game. He's also rushed for a, a pretty solid number with some with some rushing touchdowns as well. If I can, if I can find these, he got five rushing touchdowns on the season. So he's, he's got, got a really really solid career. year, a good career here at Tennessee. And of course, um, now it's it's going to be Joe Milton time against Vanderbilt, and maybe for the foreseeable future in terms of what bowl game comes in. I, I want to get your thoughts on a potential bowl game, Cotton Orange Bowl, right now. Sugar Bowl might be off the table because the way that works is they'll go to the highest-ranking SEC team not in the college football playoffs, and that might go to Alabama. But Cotton Bowl, Orange Bowl, still a really good destination. Could it be one of those? That, and we want your questions. Anything you want to ask us, fill up those comments section. We're going to take your questions and talk bowl games when we come back right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
Welcome back into the Rockies uh, Rewind. I am not muted. I know how to do this. I've only done it, what, 10 other Sundays this season? Uh, talking Tennessee's uh, lawsuit, South Carolina, right here on the Rockies uh, Rewind. I said we're going to get to your questions. So if you have any questions, fill up those comment sections there and we'll bring you on screen. Uh, Brent, let's start over here with um, uh, Maggots. I believe that's at 117. Brent and Eric. With the defense, especially the pass defense, was a showing like this bound to happen at some point? I'll say this. I mean, it's it's happened already so far this season. It happened against Alabama. Um, and, of course, but that, you know that's Bryce Young. Uh, it happened against Florida with Anthony Richardson, who coming into the game didn't look great. But, I mean, gosh, you know what he can do when he's on. I just – I guess in the same respect, this is kind of like the Anthony Richardson and Spencer Rattler has great potential – but he hadn't shown it on a consistent level, especially in SEC play this season. I was not expecting that yesterday. Was I expecting Tennessee's defense to give up passing yards? Yes, because that's what it's done all season long. But that type of performance, I 100% was not expecting that. No, I mean, I didn't expect that. You know, it's this third time somebody's thrown for 400 yards against Tennessee this year. Um, as you mentioned, Bryce Young had 455 and 453 for Richardson and then 453 for Rattler. I think the thing for Tennessee fans that's so hard is it, it seems like there's a lot of quarterbacks that get well against Tennessee. And it seems like it's been that way for a while. Guys not playing well, then they play Tennessee, and all of a sudden now they're playing well. Or a backup comes in, they knock the starter out, the backup comes in, and the backup plays you know well in the football game. Uh, Tennessee's obviously got deficiencies in the secondary. I think we've known that those deficiencies have been there. You want to mask those deficiencies um, by pressuring the quarterback. And Tennessee couldn't get to the quarterback. I mean, at one time on a delayed blitz by Aaron Beasley, they got there. Um, I, I thought it was a, a smart decision by South Carolina to take uh, the Atkins kid at tight end and play him in as a running back. And he was he was the personal protector, essentially, for Spencer Rattler. He was just looking for a, any A-gap blitzer. And they were blocking inside out, Eric. They were not worried about Tennessee getting a, around the corner on them uh, very often. And he was just kind of patrolling the middle to make sure that they handled everything in Spencer Rattler's face. And they created a nice wall for him when they wanted to go vertical and down the field with, with pass protection. Uh, Tennessee's got to rush the quarterback better if they're going to help that depleted or that challenge secondary uh, in, in the back end. Obviously, Tennessee's going to ride with the two safeties, the two veteran safeties. There's deficiencies there in terms of their closing speed and all of those types of things. So you got to get to the quarterback. And um, Tennessee just has not been able to get to the quarterback without games or bringing extra people. When they ran games last night, a couple of times Rattler took advantage of the void that was created by the stunt and the twist, you know, and, and scrambled out of any potential trouble that could be there. So um, to help the secondary, they, they're going to have to to find a way to get to the quarterback, which is why I think you got a blitz, even if it's on third and twenty. You know, you, you got you got to get people there and get the ball out of the quarterback's hands because. Tennessee just cannot hold up in the back end for an extended period of time. Yeah, it's bad when you're sitting up there in the press box and it's third and twenty, and you're and you look over to uh, to Austin Price and you say, "How are they going to get this one?" And and sure enough, they get it. It's unfortunate. Brad wants to know: Can you guys discuss Kamal Haddon and his trash talking from last night? Again, that's something I saw Brent in real time. That's something I saw on the rewatch. Man, I don't know. Uh, I understand confidence is part of a game. Uh, Kamal Haddon is, is is not short on confidence. He's a talented player, um, but but you know when when you're giving up a huge cushion and a first down and the sticks are moving, there's no reason to get up and talk and, and, and talk some trash. Um, he did that a lot last night. He's done a lot this season. 
that's unneeded. You need to worry more about yourself than talking to the other team. Yeah, and and obviously there's – I mean, I think Kamal Haddon probably physically could have played the last few weeks, and I don't mm-hmm. think Tennessee wanted to – that's not they, – they felt like turnage and slaughter were their better options. Now they got a bunch of guys hurt last night. You know, Rucker wasn't on the trip, and you got you're down slaughter, you're down turnage. Um, you're kind of out of you're kind of out of some bodies, you know, with where you are right now. Uh, but no, I mean, Kamal Haddon's. I mean, he he's more at times he's out of control with, yeah. with his with his mouth on, on the field, and um, you know that that needs to be reined in. Particularly, I mean, he spent the fourth quarter arguing with Shane Beamer on on South Carolina sideline, and and jawing to him when you know, Tennessee was getting manhandled. So I, I'm not a fan of that. Um, I think the, I think he's on the field last night because they didn't have any other options at corner. We'll see what they yeah. look like with those options this week. Again, you're right. He's talented. There are moments in time where he makes plays. Um, he did not play very confident last night. He didn't play near as confident as he was in his trash-talking ability last night, for sure, as he was given way too much cushion and gave up way too many uh, pass receptions. Also not a fan of uh, Shane Beamer pointing over to the Tennessee sideline after his last touchdown. Um, how about we act like we've been there before? Um, th- that's not a good look for you, head ball coach. Uh, Taylor wants to know, he said, I don't understand how Flowers and Tank are still getting minutes. They not only kill us in pass coverage, but honestly offer nothing much in stopping the run or blitzing as well. Uh, it's the safeties, Brent. Two safeties have been playing for quite some time. We've discussed it a time or two as well. But I think the biggest thing and the reason why Tennessee is so ride or die with those two guys is they trust and their ability to know what to do more so than the guys behind them, obviously, because if they trusted in a Turrentine or a Walker to go back there and play or a Jordan Thomas or anybody else, I think we would have seen them, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Tim Banks handles the safeties every day on the practice field. And so, uh, I mean, that's where they're going. My issue with them is I think they're, I don't think they have great, I know they don't have great foot speed. Um, but my other issue with them is I think they're slow to react. Um, I, I don't. I don't think they. I don't think they react to things as fa- as fast as you would like um, in the run game. That's why I don't. I don't think you see them particularly in the box a whole lot on the run game. I thought they were late in reacting to stuff last night. Now South Carolina was giving some eye candy and trying to confuse some things that that are going on there. Uh, but I, I just thought they were late reacting. I thought Tennessee. I thought Tennessee defensively looked slow. You know, there was a, it was almost like they're a little they were a little bit paralyzed by analysis or whatever. Uh, and they had seemingly they had a hard time kind of getting a beat on where the ball was. And, and I thought they were slow reacting. I thought they played slow last night. That's just my opinion. You know, kind of viewing it live and, and seeing it on replay. I, I just didn't think they were. I just didn't think they were that fast. St. Louis wants to know: Are we still the best offense in the country? Tennessee is still through eleven games, leading the uh, nation in yards per game, leading the nation in uh, yards uh, overall and leading the nation with 67 offensive touchdowns. So uh, Tennessee scored 33 points last night. Tennessee did not lose because of his offense. Was his offense perfect, Brent? Absolutely not. And, you know, nothing is ever perfect. But Tennessee lost last night because of the defense and, um, you know, the offense is still uh, statistically the best in the country. Well, they made mistakes offensively. The problem yeah. was that that you felt like you had that game, you could not make a mistake offensively. Yeah. You had to score every possession. Pressure was on Tennessee to score every possession. Uh, they didn't. Um, part of that was self-inflicted with the penalties that we talked about earlier. That opening drive of the third quarter, uh, ball placement by Hendon Hooker to Jacob Warren was not very good. It was behind him, allowed the pass to be broken up, which forced a punt. Th- the other punt there, 
Um, and that was the only that was Tennessee's only three punts in the game. Now they had the turnover. Listen, I'm not blaming anybody for a turnover. Okay, I mean Hendon Hooker blew out his ACL, yeah. clutched yeah. at his at his knee, and dropped the football. I, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not criticizing Hendon Hooker for, for that turnover there. But defensively, Tennessee didn't create any turnover, any turnovers. Um, and, and they forced Tennessee's offense to have to score every time they had the ball because, that there, I mean, other than the one drive, there was no stop in South Carolina last night. I'm going to get one more question in here, and then I am finally going to ask you about what you think about okay. Tennessee and where it's, they're going bowling. Let's go back to St. Louis. St. Louis has got some good questions here. And um, – he wants to know, is Slaughter and Charles really safeties? Um, Slaughter is an inside-the-box player. Slaughter's playing cornerback right now because uh, he's probably Tennessee's best option at the time being. Uh, Charles came in as a safety last year, made a start before going out, and he's one of the better options at cornerback. I think that's what it comes down to, Brent, is you know, are you a better option than what you have at cornerback right now? Let's try to find the right pieces together. But Danico Slaughter, Christian Charles, Brandon Turnage, even Trayvon Flowers, there's all some versatility there, and those two guys have played safety in the past. Yeah, I mean, I think Charles is much more comfortable at safety. I, I, I don't get the sense he's ever been comfortable at corner. At least he hasn't looked it on the field this year. Uh, he got picked on in that pit game early in the year, and and he's had a hard time. He's been healthy. And he's been unhealthy. He's been banged up. Uh, but, but he's had a hard time, you know, gaining some confidence out there slaughter's on record saying he doesn't really like to play corner that's not where he wants to play because there's not enough action for him he wants to be in the box either as a safety or a nickel guy after he uh, made now, two really good plays as well right. now, in now Kentucky. He's, he's playing it and um he didn't play well last night no, no i mean nobody played well on defense last night i mean just i mean they didn't they gave up 10 plays of 20 yards or more defensively mm-hmm. you know i mean and again i mean that's just South Carolina did some good things schematically, and Tennessee just Tennessee didn't handle things defensively at all. I mean, they were just poor. You watched you watched it live, and it was poor. You watched it on rewind, and it was really poor. So um, it wasn't any one person. There was not one level of the defense that you walked out and went, "Say that group played pretty well." You didn't feel that way about anybody last night. No one wants to hear this right now, and I understand. Tennessee got smacked yesterday. Tennessee was a three touchdown favorite on the road. And it lost 63 to 38. I get it. When you start winning, the stakes get higher. I understand that. Uh, playoffs are now off the table. Um, it's unfortunate, but if you told me in week 10, excuse me, in week 11 of the college football season that Tennessee would not only be in a play for the college football playoffs, but sitting in a really good spot, I would have told you you're crazy. I said, hey, get out, get out of the get out of the bar there. You're drunk. Um, but that's what winning does for you. Tennessee does lose. Tennessee's still in a really good position for a New Year's Six Bowl game, albeit it might not be the Sugar Bowl, but whatever they do, Brent, they got to handle business against Vanderbilt on Saturday. Yeah, and and listen, you're going to hear that argument from a lot of people who say, you know, if you just said 10 wins in, in August, then everybody would have jumped all over it. And, and that's true. But when you put yourself in the position that, you're, that you got yourself into, you know, the opportunity to go to the playoff isn't there every year. Okay, I mean, maybe it is for Georgia right now. It's been that way for for Alabama, uh, but but you know what? Oklahoma's not making the playoff this year, right? Clemson doesn't look like they may, but it doesn't look like they're probably going to get in. So when you get to the doorstep like that, and you don't deliver, that that's where that hurts, and that's why that one last night was so painful because a you're the heavy favorite, and b what what it cost you. It was such a costly loss. As for where they are in the bowl pecking order right now. Understand this about the Sugar Bowl. The Sugar Bowl will take 
the highest rated SEC team in the playoff rankings who's not in the top four. Okay. Tennessee is not going to finish as the second highest ranked playoff team in the SEC, in my opinion. I think Alabama is going to be ahead of them. They're ahead of them in the AP poll. I think they were two spots behind them in the college football playoff ranking last week, or maybe three. Tennessee is going to fall behind them. So if Alabama beats Auburn and Tennessee beats Vanderbilt, Tennessee's not going to leapfrog them. So I think that uh, right now it would be Alabama to the sugar, provided that LSU loses to Georgia. Okay. If LSU beats Georgia, then, you know, we'll see what happens there. You're probably getting two playoff teams in. It's probably still Alabama to the Sugar Bowl, but we would have to see how that goes. From that point there, it's going to be the, the Orange Bowl. The Orange Bowl is going to take the same – they have the same parameter for the ACC. Then their other opponent is the highest-ranked SEC or Big Ten team not in the playoff. You say, okay, well, that could be Michigan. If Michigan loses, they're going to be ahead of Tennessee in the playoff ranking. But the caveat there is the Rose Bowl's got their protection, Eric. If they're not hosting a playoff game or the championship game, then the protection for the Rose Bowl is the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and the Pac which means Michigan should go to the Rose Bowl, which would leave the Orange Bowl opening uh, likely for Tennessee at that point against an ACC team. That's kind of what it feels like it would be if Tennessee wins. Could the Cotton Bowl, could, you know, could somebody else be ranked higher and, and it ends up being the Cotton Bowl? Perhaps. Uh, but I think if Tennessee wins, it's going to be the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. If Tennessee loses to Vanderbilt, then you're probably looking at, at the Citrus Bowl um, and you're out of the New Year's Six. So th this game's a big game. You know, you, you don't, you don't want to be – you don't want the legacy of this season to be that you wilted in November, that, that, you, that you collapsed the last two weeks of November. That's why this is a huge opportunity Saturday and Tennessee needs to capitalize and take advantage of it even when – uh, you know, they're dealing with all they're dealing with, which includes, you know, the injury to Hendon Hooker and, and the adjustments they've got to make there and then trying to figure out what they're doing defensively. Yeah, I was going to say, more than anything, you just want to finish this thing off the right way because this has been such a good season. You have accomplished so much, and I understand. I mean, the, the loss is just horrific, what happened uh, in Columbia. It was, it was you know, pathetic defensively. I, I get it. Uh, but you don't want to lose to Vanderbilt who has everything to play for, and Tennessee is just kind of limping right now. Uh, you want to finish this thing off the right way, and then obviously a New Year's Six Bowl game would be a whole lot of fun as a consolation prize. Let's grab a quick 60. When we come back, Austin Price is going to be in here. Let's get his thoughts on the game. And, hey, Tennessee picked up a commit today at the running back position. We'll tell you all about Khalifa Keith, that and more, when the Rocky Top Rewind returns.
We'll go back into the Rocky Top Rewind every Sunday night here in football season from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock Eastern on the VolQuest YouTube channel. Of course, you can find us at VolQuest.com as well. If you're watching this, please hit that like button and subscribe if you haven't already. And as we do each and every time of the show, around 845, 850-ish, let's bring on Austin Price. Austin, you and I sat next to one another along with Grant Ramey in that press box. It wasn't pretty yesterday. Some of your uh, overarching thoughts now about 24, hour, 24 hours out from game time where Tennessee lost to South Carolina. Uh, like I said on the general scores earlier today, I understand it. Screaming your bucket, get it out of your system, and, and you got to turn your attentions quickly to Vanderbilt. I mean, you can't dwell on it. It is what it is. Tennessee got their butt whooped last night. Defensively, they had no answer. Um, nine touchdowns on 10 possessions. I mean, that's – Sad, ridiculous, pathetic, pitiful, about a lot of adjectives that you could use. Um, you know, they just couldn't get off the field. Couldn't get off the field on third down. Couldn't get off the field on fourth down. And, you know, we've seen that in stretches at points this year, but not sustained, where Tennessee just could not stop anyone. And they could not stop Spencer Rattler last night. Um, and, and that vaunted South Carolina offense has been so good all year. Um, you know, and then, of course, you had insult to injury. You had. Coy go out was, you know, and not return there in the second half. You had Hendon Hooker, obviously, with the torn ACL. He's done for his career. Um, you know, Cedric Tillman, you know, got a hit on his leg. You know, I could see him, you know, being real doubtful this week. You know, um, I, I just – ultimately, uh, this just was a train wreck nightmare game that, you know, the leadership on this team will be tested, and we'll see if they can uh, rise to the occasion because, you know, they still have a lot to play for, but – you know, they could easily uh, have it go the other direction. And the old, you know, they remember what you do in November turns into, you know, make it go away, wake me up when September ends, you know, type of stuff. Austin, you mentioned Hendon Hooker. Obviously, you don't want to see anybody get hurt like that. Um, you don't want to see a quarterback get hurt like that, a, a team captain. Um, when you think of Hendon Hooker, what he's meant here in a short time at Tennessee, I think he's a name that everyone's never going to forget. I mean, you know, he'll be remembered for long after he's gone. His Tennessee career comes to an end, but he did a lot in a short time here in Knoxville. No, you're right. Um, he did. And, and you know, after so many years of instability at the quarterback position, he stabilized the position for Tennessee. And, you know, when Joe got hurt, you know, in, against Pittsburgh last year, um, Hendon kept, came in, stepped up. They came up short in that game, but – you know, we quickly found out, you know, Tennessee had a guy there and he got better and better and better. And as good as he was last year, he was even better this year. Um, good community. Um, you know, and again, you know, no matter how good the quarterback play is next year, the rest of this year, five years from now, people will still talk about Hendon Hooker and, and what he did for this program. And, uh, you know, you know, kudos to that man. Yep, he accelerated the process for Josh Heupel. There's no question about that, uh, that, that everything was was sped up because of that. Now now it's on Joe Milton, Austin, who has been – he was really good friends with, with Hendon Hooker. It's the first guy that went to Hendon when he got off the field last night to head to the medical tent. They're roommates. They're very close. Um, I would imagine Hendon's going to help Joe as much as he can this week prepare. The question, Austin, is, is how much different is this offense? Does it change – with going to Joe Milton versus what Tennessee has seen out of Hendon Hooker all season long. 
Well, you know, I think there'll be certain aspects of it that will. I think I'd love to see more run game. Joe looks like a different kid. Um, last year, he was shied away from getting hit and contact. And this year, he's, you know, lowering his shoulder, lowering his head, using kind of a big – he becomes a big dump truck out there. Um, you know, he, he's looked really good when, when they've asked him to run, even when he's had to escape. Um, you know, he's he's shown some physicality, and, and I like that about him. Um, you know, I'm interested to kind of see where things go with him in the, in the passing game. Um, I, I still think you're going to see a ton of vertical shots, but, you know, can he complete those 10-yard pass, 10-yard pass, 10-yard pass? Um, you know, I think that's something that Vanderbilt will uh, likely try to make him do Saturday night uh, in Nashville. And, uh, you know, Joe says he's grown a lot, and, you know, he's going to get a, an opportunity to show it because this is his show. Tennessee doesn't have a whole lot of, um, you know, depth there. Uh, but I still think you have to run this offense um, the way you would, you know, if you had four guys behind him because Tennessee's got to be aggressive because they've got to go win this football game. You can't sit back and be and be passive. You've got to be aggressive and go win it. Talk about the depth there. I mean, Joe Milton's it right now in terms of scholarship quarterbacks. Hendon Hooker's out. Taven Jackson is out with a collarbone. You have Joe Milton. Uh, Gaston Moore would be uh, the number two behind him. Navy Shuler would be an option as well. But in terms of scholarship quarterbacks, uh, Joe Milton is it right now. Awesome price. Tennessee for the class of 2023 picked up a commit earlier this afternoon. It was always a question on when, not if, and running back Khalifa Keith, formerly a commit of Kentucky, commits to the University of Tennessee. 22 commits now, and with Will Stallings out of the class, Khalifa Keith now the running back uh, in this class for Josh Heifel. Yeah, you know, that one's been trending hard to Tennessee for a while. Um, you know, he visited three times this fall for games. The most recently, uh, you know, for the Missouri game, you know, just felt really comfortable here, felt really comfortable with Jerry Mack. And uh, Tennessee wanted that bigger back, and this is uh, this is their bigger back. And, you know, I mean, again, he's not – I mean, you, when you say size, I mean, you're talking maybe an inch and a half taller than the guys they currently have, but it's the weight. I mean, you know, he's already 230 pounds. You could reshape that 230, but, I mean, that's 20 pounds heavier than the back show on your roster. So, um, you know, I, I think this is a nice, solid addition. You know, how good will he be? Only time will tell. No one had, uh, you know, Junkins at, uh, you know, Ole Miss being what he is. So, you know, is he another Alabama tailback that kind of, you know, slips under the radar, so to speak? And will Tennessee still look to the portal? I mean, I know they're going to look to the portal for a number of areas, but if there's a running back out there that they feel like would be fit, would, would be a fit, and wouldn't be just a guy to take, I feel like Tennessee would still take a running back out of the portal. Yeah, I think if there was a dude, I think they would. I don't think they would just take a body to take a body. So, yeah, very much so. I think that that's uh, kind of where I'm at with it is, you know, if if there's a guy that is an instant impact, um, big timer, then I think you would see them go that route. All right. I ask you this every single week. Now there is a commitment date. Uh, David Hobbs, five-star defensive lineman, will make his college decision on Friday. Uh, where does Tennessee stand this week? Tennessee's been in good position. Will Tennessee close this one out in your opinion? Yeah, I think they will. I don't, you know, again, I don't think Tennessee is ever fallen out of the lead. Georgia made a run. They passed Alabama, but I'm not sure they ever got to Tennessee's uh, stratosphere. And, uh, you know, this all goes back to, you know, Rodney Garner and, and and you know, the defensive, you know, support staff doing a nice job when he was here for camp, 
when he was here for all those games this fall, you know, it really kind of got flipped on its head a lot in my mind when, you know, he came here for the Florida game, subsequently came back for the Alabama game and Tennessee just got so much momentum off those two visits that I don't, I just don't think that, you know, either one of the other two teams could catch up to him. Austin, this is kind of a strange time in recruiting. It's, it's a new era uh, with, with everything that's in place, with the window for the transfer portal. Tennessee's obviously playing a huge game on Saturday, but, but these windows are coming fast. you got to have an idea of what exactly you need. How awkward is, or, is it in college football right now to have some of the conversations you're probably going to have to have, you know, later this week, into the weekend, to know exactly what your roster number looks like? I mean, this is a strange time in the calendar, the way they've set this early transfer portal window to open up. Don't you think? It is. I, I said that going in. Like, had Tennessee won, you know, Saturday night and 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 beat Vanderbilt, I think you would have seen t- kids on this team going to the portal, maybe even ones that, you know, play for you because they're either trying to angle for an NIL deal or they're, you know, they're hearing they might get one somewhere else. Um you know, I think that, you know, you're going to see that across college football players that are on good football teams, um, you know, that end up going into the portal. Um, you know, I don't, uh, that one, that one right there don't even count. Um, uh, <laughs> I was here for 34 seconds. Um, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, I do think it is an, an awkward time. I think that's the best way to put it over is it's an awkward time. Um, you know, because you are trying to figure out what you need, what you uh, don't need, and, uh, and then what comes available. Because there might be a, a top-shelf player come available at a position you don't really need help at, but, you know, adding this player is just, you know, too good to pass up. And, and that might be something that all schools end up doing uh, over the next few months. Well, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, it's one thing to find, you know, the Power 5 guys that are going in, but but you're trying to get a – you've got real needs, right? And you're trying to figure out who some guys are. And, and do you want, like, for example, there's a guy at Stony Brook, a tight end that went in the portal today. I don't know if he's any good or not, right? But, I mean, we've seen some of those guys go up a level, and those guys have been good players. It's hard to kind of figure out who all's out there. I mean, you're spending a lot going on, trying to figure out who some of these guys are in your evaluation because you got to go fast, Austin, if you have interest in someone. Because if you're late here in this short window, you're not going to get invited to the party to even have a chance. No, that's right. You you have to be the moment a kid. I mean, a lot of times you need to know ahead of time, right? And then you know, um, but if 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 you don't know ahead of time, you've got to be so quick on reaching out. Um, it it you know it's going to be warp speed. So a guy like Billy High, who you know will help Tennessee in in, in the portal stuff. That's something that, you know, he's going to have to be really on top of it the next few weeks because, you know, Tennessee's going to see a lot of players go in the portal, some from their own team, some from other teams that they're trying to land. And you've got to figure out, like, hey, we got to figure out how to get this kid back or we got to get this kid on a visit uh, to try to get him, you know, you know, get him on our team. I got one more question. I know we're up against it, but let's go back to David Hobbs real quick. Again, he's the five-star defensive tackle, going to make an announcement uh, at some point on Friday. We'll see if Tennessee is the school. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. Five o'clock. If Tennessee is the pick here, Austin, and again, coaches, they recruit players that they like, but would that add more? Obviously, it, it will, but more validity to this class. That's another five-star. You know, Nico comes in in March. 
you thought some more would roll in with them. This is on the defensive side of the football, but this is a really big fish, not even the literal and figuratively. figuratively. Uh, I feel like this would add a lot more validity to Tennessee's class here in 23. Well, it would, um, you know, and again, it's position of need. You need help on the defensive line. It would be a big, uh, a big deal. And again, look who you're beating out there, right? I mean, you look at the recruiting prediction machine, that thing's not always accurate just because it, it weighs so much things. And sometimes things don't, uh, you know, don't, you know, Sometimes you follow the visits, sometimes you don't. Um, but Tennessee sitting there, you know, against Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. I mean, that's the, the best of the best in college football. So you're able to beat them out for a defensive lineman. You've done pretty well. We got plenty of recap from Tennessee's loss to South Carolina up on the front page of allquest.com. We'll have plenty more in the coming days. We'll look forward to Vanderbilt. Of course, it's crossover season. Tennessee Hoops is in action. Uh, you've got recruiting news today, potentially on Friday. There's a whole lot going on at VolQuest.com. And, uh, hey, it's going to be $10 until kickoff next year. So we did the $1 for one year for a, for a long time. It is $10 until kickoff of 2023. Take advantage of that over at VolQuest.com. Please like this video and uh, help it get out to more Tennessee fans. Please subscribe to VolQuest on YouTube if you haven't already. And join us at VolQuest.com for everything we do every single week. We've got the Monday night chat coming up tomorrow night, so it'll be a whole lot of fun there as well. Uh, this has been the Rocky Top Rewind. I'm Eric Kane, Brent Hubs, and Austin Price. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we will do it next week at Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern, right here on the Rocky Top Rewind. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.